You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. Okay. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to talking next. We got a little bit of a. In between episode right now, in between training camp and free agency, we got a couple minimal stories, but we're, we're gonna we're gonna do it anyway. So let's talk Knicks. All righty. So I'm joined by Big Baby David and Tom. We're gonna talk about a few things, but before we get into that, let's let's check in on everybody. Tom, you took last week off. How's that? How how have you been? We've we've been missing you for two weeks now. Hey guys, it doesn't feel like that long. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't think it was. I think it was like a week and a half because we did the draft fight on a Friday. There you go. Um, no, I, but I've been good. Um, we did the Thanksgiving thing. Had to had to do the whole change of plans because of the pandemic. Um, I was gonna go down and and see my the folks. What? Yeah, no, uh, it's happening. That's still going on. Um. Was gonna go see my folks in Delaware. Instead, uh, saw my my in laws here in Connecticut. But you know, my my wife works in a hospital, so we did the whole like wearing masks inside thing, and it, it was you know, it, it was still good to to do something for Thanksgiving. Better than than the alternative, I guess. But um, you know, it's been a pretty low key weekend. Uh, a lot of I was talking to you guys a little bit earlier. We're Rose and I have been watching a lot of The Undoing on HBO. The Finale. It's a mini series on HBO. If you don't know, starring Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant, among others, um, kind of a murder mystery. It's uh, it's it's pretty fascinating, actually. Uh, it's a lot better than some of these other HBO mini series. I don't know if you guys saw like Big Little Lies or um, Little Fires Everywhere, any of these shows, but um, those are kind of both whodunits as well. I like this one a lot better. The Undoing. The finale is on tonight. We are going to watch it at 9 p.m. So I have a hard out. At 9 p.m. All right. Well, have you ever seen The Night Of? No. I, so that's another one that people talk about kind of in the same vein as The Undoing. But The Night Of is, it's also like a New York City-based murder mystery, right? Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. The The, and, pilot, the pilot of The Night Of is one of the best pilots you'll see. You and I are big fans of The Lost Pilot. What about Lost Pilot? To that also pilot? good. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot shorter of a series than lost so it really sets up the entire scene right away it's good yeah i'll have to check it out yeah i'm not a huge like murder guy you know i didn't get into the like making a murder and all, all these i feel like there were just a ton of real life documentary murder yeah, there's a lot of murder stuff going on but i haven't not... seen those either but this was just I, I heard about the pilot being a hit so i watched it and uh, it was great. And then I got hooked. And then plus it's only one of those those mini series on HBO as well. So you're not hooked in for, for seasons on end. That's a nice new development in TV. Like, you know, you're kind of in and out. You get the whole story arc and, and you're you're done. You know, it's not a huge time commitment. I kind of like that. Um, yeah. BBD, are you a big murder guy? <laughs> oh, love murdering. Um, 
It wasn't. It's an all time. It's it's a regular for me. No, I do, I do the murder show stuff. As far as Thanksgiving, we kept it low key this year, but we always keep it small. So we we just kind of did nothing, which is better than doing something for Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, we used to just go to my grandma's house, and it would just be my immediate family, and then my grandma and grandpa. But now my grandma just lives here, so just did that here. Didn't visit people. It's kind of nice. Yeah, then, that's good, and and you're saving the world, so we appreciate it. Yeah, so you guys are welcome. And, uh, yeah, what have I been watching? Not much. Oh, I, I, I'm rewatching season one of Designated Survivor, which kind of has murder in it. Because I, I, I thought I hadn't watched it before. It turns out I've seen the whole first season before, so I still have to rewatch it because I don't remember anything that happened. But I guess I'm going to watch all three seasons of that show that are on Netflix. So that's what I've been up to. Good. You found something to do with your time. And, I mean... I also had the immediate family Thanksgiving, which was good. I mean, the the four day weekend is great, but not being able to do anything during the four day weekend kind of takes away from it. I don't even know what I would have wanted to do, but having an option would have been helpful. I think I would have ultimately done this, but didn't have yeah didn't have the option really. Yeah, exactly. I wish I wanted to be choosing to do this, but now you're forcing it on me. And as far as what I've been watching, since that's what this podcast is about, I've been rewatching Superstore. It's a great oh, show. Huge. I don't, great show. And then I've been watching Happy Endings on uh, Hulu as well. That was another show back in the day when New Girl was out with Damon Wayans Jr. and Alicia Cuthbert and other people. Adam Pally. Adam Tom, Pally, my Tom's guy. friends. Fell in love with Alicia Cuthbert again, but she's 37 and married with a child to a hockey player. That, but you don't need to make that stop you. That's what happens, though. That's just like what happened with Kate Unlost. I started, and I was like, oh, she's 40 now. <laughs> when you watch sure. those early 2000s shows. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for some reason those people age, too. It's bound to happen. You fall in love with somebody, and uh, I don't know. Yeah. 40's not too old, right, BBD? No, no. <laughs> That's fine. Alright, I guess we can talk about the Knicks Not much brewing in the Knicks world That's why this this uh, conversation I don't know, what, you, what do you call this? Banter? Uh, banter, that's the word I wanted This banter has been so good uh, <laughs> But we'll, we'll talk about so the Knicks tier. now Yeah, Knicks, Knicks world A few things going on First of all Michael Kidd Grill, Michael Kidd Grill, Christ. Say that five times fast. I don't even think that's a, a tongue twister. But uh, he's signed to a one-year minimum deal, non-guaranteed. Exhibit ten, I believe. That means that you get a fifty thousand dollar bonus if they waive you and you sign with our G League team. I don't really envision Michael Kidd Gilchrist signing with the G League team, to be honest. So I'm guessing. Just because he's Michael Cade Gilchrist, a former top five pick, that he's just going to make the team. He's only 27 years old still. Um, didn't do much last year. Appears to have been maybe injured, I would guess. I know he got waved by the Hornets and picked up by the Mavericks and did not post stats, but I think he's still a defender. Offense still isn't there. I, I mean, this is this is just... This is just a whatever move. I don't I don't know that we care that much, but it is a the move thing that's that gotten it does, people in a tizzy, but 
Yeah. It gives us a little bit of a roster crunch. So if if Kid Gilchrist is going to be on the roster, then someone's got to go. But I mean, what are you what are you thinking about this move, BBD? Yeah, I mean, I I kind of don't care. He he just is a professional player. This amounts to a training camp invite. I guess I'm expecting him to ultimately make the team. This feels a bit of like a doing each other favors situation because. The Knicks. This one is kind of a favorite of CAA, Kentucky, whichever you want to blame it on because of the whole Leon Rose, Kenny Payne stuff. But also, him signing Exhibit 10 and not a real like minimum contract gives him a few more weeks to make a move if they're going to make a move because they did have to make a move anyway because they're at like 16 players on the roster. So this makes it like 17 if he were to make the team. So they got to cut people one way or another or make a trade one way or another. So the Exhibit 10 thing gives him flexibility there. But I don't know. I know his defense is still really, really good. His overall on-off numbers, I think, are decent. Maybe that's more because he's been on the Hornets the last few years and the, like just nothing matters. So him having hmm. something he's good at is good. Yeah, so he whoever, makes the team. I assume he's not going to take minutes away from people we care about. But. He, was, he was better than whoever was coming off the bench on the Hornets, I guess. I guess that's something yeah. to be proud of. <laughs> it's good work. I don't know. Had you guys ever heard of the term Exhibit 10 contract before this? I knew it existed. I, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant until we were texting about us getting Kid Gilchrist, and then I believe Kenny said it was an Exhibit 10 contract, and I laughed, and then he said, no, like, no, it is. And I said, I thought you were kidding. <laughs> so then I didn't care that we signed him anymore. See, that's how you know that the banter at the beginning of this show was good. Because of that banter he just told us about, that was that was terrible. But I mean, yeah, it's exhibit like ten. Comparison. Yeah, <laughs> exhibit no, ten. No, it's just it's, kind of funny. It's, <laughs> it's been around a few years, but it's just something that you don't really know about since it doesn't matter. Since this is usually a contract you give to a guy who is not going to be on your team. Right. It's just it kind of strikes me that. You go on Nick's Twitter and like everybody now is just like a cap expert. It's wild. Like everyone was so on top of this. Like that's an exhibit ten contract. That means there are these clauses. And I was just like, what? When did you all learn all this? Like it, it's kind of wild. Like I know there are a lot of lawyers, and there's a there's a lawyer in this conversation. There's a lot of lawyers on Nick's Twitter, but uh, it's just it's funny. Like everyone seems to be really up on the cap situation and, and all these exceptions. And I'm just like, I, I just want to watch some basketball. Yeah. And I don't, I, d- I, don't I don't have really... a great, like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, uh, like take, I don't like, I think I've seen this online too, but like he should be a, played as a big offensively, right? Like he, he shouldn't be trotted out there as a wing, you know? Um, it's not like the Knicks have a, have like a ton of, you know, solid big threes, um, big small forwards, but, you gotta think Knox is gonna have to get some minutes there because we have a, a fair amount of power forwards who are gonna need minutes. But I, I don't see MKG getting any minutes at the small forward position just because his complete inability to shoot and the Knicks roster, uh, their dearth of shooting as well. Yeah, and it, it feels like you just need a veteran at some point. And I guess Michael Kidd Gilchrist has been in the the league for eight years now, so. Guess he qualifies as a veteran, so I don't and, even. Know. And you called him a top five pick. He was number two overall. Isn't that crazy? Like, yeah, after but, Anthony Davis. Yeah, man, that is pretty nuts. I get. I mean, ultimately, if he makes the team, I'm assuming it's because he did 
good stuff in training camp, and I'll like not be mad about it then. If he doesn't make the teams because he didn't have a good training camp, which is just another angle on it. But was Gilchrist the pick that they got after the the Hornets were the worst team like in NBA history? Was the, they were the Bobcats yeah. then, right? That sounds and they like were like it could be true. Literally the worst team in the history of the NBA, win percentage wise, I think, and they didn't get the number one pick. Just a brutal result for a tanking team, and I don't know, like. You have to kind of look forward to the Knicks pick next year because I maybe we'll talk a little bit more about this upcoming season. I think it's going to be absolutely brutal. The the product <laughs> that the product that's on the court is going to be really hard to watch. I think, but uh, if I mean, it looks like you're you're right, that is the year they were really really bad. Oh, well, maybe not. I'll confirm. I'm yeah. looking at the Hornets. Look at the the record for the sixty six season, the sixty six game season in twenty, whatever that was. Because I think that's right. They were because they didn't win ten games. Yeah, the twenty eleven twelve Bob Bobcats were seven and fifty nine. That's pretty. It's pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was the the next year they had Michael Kidd Gilchrist on the team. They did go jump all the way up to twenty one and sixty one that year. So. They both won and lost more games. Yeah, I mean, it goes to show that tanking or just being the worst team in general doesn't always... And, and you know, the odds have only flattened since then. So, you know, it, it far from guarantees you the top overall pick. Luckily, all the, the chatter about next draft is that it's supposed to be deeper and all that, yada, yada, yada. But I don't know, guys. I, I'm, I'm kind of done talking about Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I don't think there's really much else left to say there. I'll say a couple more things. We said the CAA, he's a Kentucky guy, and then I read that he was, his mother was childhood friends with William Wesley, World Wide West. That's, that's another thing. I hadn't heard that's that. F- that is interesting. Where did you hear that? Do you fun. I read an article from 2015 from Sports Illustrated because uh, we, we talked about how uh, MKG was the number two pick. This guy used to be a big deal. Even in 2015, he was like a third year in the NBA, but he was still on the up and up, so people were talking about him. So I wrote an article. I read it. Apparently, he was high school teammates with um, Kyrie Irving and then college teammates with Anthony Davis. I think he was the number one recruit, like ahead of Anthony Davis when he was going to Kentucky. And then he and Anthony Davis ended up being the number one pick, and he was number two. And that's after that's what we, I got out of. I do have another note on Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, after he signed him, my brother texted me that he that uh, or I, I was sitting with him at dinner, but he pulled up an article. I want to say it was Bleacher Report that uh, called Michael Kidd Gilchrist the biggest steal in that draft when he was drafted number two overall, and Anthony Davis went one. It's kind of a kind of tough to call that the biggest steal when he's he also turned out bad. <laughs> I could see I could see Bleach, Bleacher Report writing that. Yeah, that, that tracks. Yeah, twenty twelve I mean, Bleacher that, Report. It checks out. It's just good literature. And then, I mean, and there's really not much else to talk about. So I'll move on to the next topic, which is honestly nothing at all. <laughs> Nicholas <laughs> Nicholas Batum. The Knicks were were making. We were all talking about possibly grabbing Nicholas Batum. 
for maybe Julius Randle and just absorb him into our cap space so that the Hornets and Celtics could do a sign-in trade and the Hornets wouldn't have to, to waive Nicholas Batum and just eat $27 million stretched over three years. And so they would, they would be able to save $9 million in cap space for the next three years, basically. That was the plan. So the idea, like I mentioned, was to trade Julius Randle for that. Apparently that all fell through. Didn't happen. It would have been nice. Nicholas Batum is ultimately waived, and the Celtics and Hornets did a sign and trade without us. So the Celtics gave two second-round picks for Gordon Hayward and a conditional second-round pick, which I, I would guess is top 55 protected, meaning that it, it would really have no intention of it ever conveying it. Just They just needed to give some sort of consideration. There's a legal term for you. For I the, think for the Celtics the got a trade exception, too, or something. So yeah, yeah, the I'm trade sure ex- they, I'm sure they like having that. Yeah, the trade but exception I'll be honest, was... I've never known what those really mean. The trade exception is the big reason why the Celtics did it. Uh, it allows them to take on an, an equivalent amount of Gordon Hayward's salary in, to absorb it. It's it's a little compli- complicated, basically. So if Gordon Hayward makes $30 million in the, the Celtics trade him to the Hornets without taking any money back, then that would be $30 million just disappearing that the Celtics couldn't even spend anymore since they're already over the cap. But ah. it, elects, it gives them a trade exception worth the amount of money that they didn't get back. So... And now it's, I know what it means until the next time I read yeah. it. I read the yeah. team got one. Hopefully all, all the, that's huge for me. All the lawyers on Nick's Twitter are just nodding their heads like, yeah, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to say it in as, as simple terms as I can. I don't know if that – was that simple enough? Yeah. Could, I'll go again if you guys want. Uh, I think that we was have simple nothing enough else. for my <laughs> tiny, tiny brain. So. We have nothing else to say. Like I, I'm kind of bummed. I, I rushed us past all that MKG talk. I'm like, can <laughs> we go back? Can we go back to that? <laughs> yeah. So um, that means the Knicks still have about $18 million in salary cap left going into the season. That number could change. I think um, we have, like I mentioned, there's a roster crunch, so we're going to have to cut two guys. Before before the season starts, not including our two-way players or Miles Powell, assuming he's just going to be in the G League because he signed an, an Exhibit 10 contract, which we all learned about earlier in this episode. So we're, we're learning. We're having fun. I, um, yeah, people, obviously people did want the Knicks to like get in on it because all we want is them to get in on these salary dumps and collect assets, all that. So yeah, if we had gotten a first, yeah, it would have been cool to take on Batum and just not really play him, but get a first round pick f- for just taking the salary. But the no, they had the freedom to add someone during the season. Now, the salary floor doesn't really matter. We're fine. Yeah, people act like the salary floor is a thing that matters, but it it's really not, right? Because you, if you don't reach the salary floor, then you just take the difference. Like you, the amount of money that you would need to reach the salary floor and just divvy that up between all the players on your roster evenly is that that's kind of how that goes down? Yeah, that's, that's my I, understanding. I learned that yeah. today as well. 
So the players on the roster are probably against it. They're like, don't sign anybody else. We don't. We don't Unless care. You're gonna like get someone who's we good. We don't care at all. We make more money if you don't do that. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So Stefan Bondi of the New York Daily News, he tweeted. He was kind of critical of this move. He, he said. Knicks didn't use their cap space to absorb Nick Batum, and now the Celts have a trade exception they can theoretically use to nab a player the Knicks are targeting in trade. Don't understand some of New York's moves this offseason, and Leon Rose hasn't spoken in over four months. There's a a few things to break down there, but, like, I don't know. Was it actually realistic to think that the Knicks could get involved here? I I know that the, uh, was it the, the Thunder or the Pelicans? Who is the other team? The Thunder. The Thunder had, 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 had their well. had their traded player exception. So like they were kind of the more obvious fit for for a move if there were one to be made. I, I just don't. I think that it was kind of like a pipe dream for the, a lot of Knicks fans. Just kind of wanted to unload Julius Randle in that move, and it wasn't all that realistic, right? I I think it was. I mean, the Hornets would have to want Julius Randle. That's that's part of it. And then the Knicks would have to receive enough back to to be willing to accept to pay Nicholas Batum twenty seven million dollars to not play basketball. Or the, they, the they absolute could, dream would have been being able to get rid of Randall and collect draft assets of some sort, even if it's just a bunch of seconds. But that didn't that that much of the return didn't feel super possible. But just. Yeah. Yeah, just getting, but getting anything would have been cool. Just getting in the mix, because I mean, we, the last couple of years we talked about wanting to get in on salary dumps and stuff, and we just did it with Ed Davis and worked some magic there, just turning having him be technically in the organization for like seventy hours into three extra second round picks. Yeah, those those were good times in Knicks world, and like I said, the Celtics gave the Hornets two second round picks in in the sign-and-trade, so if we were part of the deal, I would guess that those two second-round picks would have come to us, and maybe probably the Hornets would have thrown in additional assets, probably two second-round picks again, for giving, instead of having to waive Nick Batum, giving him to us, and then we would pay that out, pay his contract instead of him. But again, you're asking James Dolan to pay $27 million to Nicholas Batum, who... Didn't really play basketball last year. I mean, he did play a few games, but he wasn't good at basketball. So it'd, be, it'd basically be like us trading Joe Kim Noah to another team before we, we stretched him. That team would be like, you're going to have to – we don't want Joe Kim Noah at all. You're going to have to really sweeten the pot. That's the best comparison I can give. Yeah, Noah's not even a good locker room guy. I don't know really Nick Batum all that well, but you know, I, I feel like him and, and Frank would be tight from the French national team. Yeah, I mean, is is that prejudice? Do you assume all French people are friends with each other? You know, I did see a picture circulating Guilty. of the two of them <laughs> smiling together once. So credit to Tom there. Well, I, I hadn't mean, seen that picture, so I can't take credit for that. Yeah. Ah. I mean, yeah, me and BB- it turns out you're just you're just an offensive guy. Me and BBD have a picture smiling together, so you can't always trust those pics. Yeah, I would love a picture like that with BBD someday. I, I mean, I just ran into him at Yankee Stadium, unplanned. 
Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, I'm the only one who's ever ever really nailed it. You know, <laughs> first one spelled wild. <laughs> uh, and so our second story about the Knicks was a non-story. So what's going to be our third story? I don't even think we have one yet. But today's Julius Randle's birthday. He is 28, is my guess. I don't know that that's true. I think he might be 26. I'm going to Google it quickly. I just turned 29, so I like to think that NBA players Looks are like around 26. my age. Yeah, he's 26 today. So happy birthday, Julius Randle. 26 is pretty young. I mean, yeah, he could, he could still get better. Yeah, he could certainly get better. He uh, got better every year until he got here. I mean, and we have Thibodeau now. So we assu- we are all assuming that that will have a positive effect. Um, Julius Randle was, after Marcus Morris, our best player last year, whether we liked it or not. It was, it was definitely true. He was the most talented person on our team, probably ahead of Marcus Morris, definitely ahead of Marcus Morris, actually. So... He got paid to be the best player. He was he produced numbers, maybe not the way we would have visually liked them to be produced, but it happened. So I mean, let's just accept that Julius Randle is going to be on this team going into the start of the season. I mean, that's not a forget foregone conclusion, but we're, for the sake of that, let's just talk about that. Tom, how how are you going to feel if? Julius Randle's our our number one option, our starting power forward again to start this season at least after drafting Obi Toppin. I kind of accepted that when he signed the contract. I don't know. I, I didn't really think he was I didn't think he was all that movable. Um like who does he help? You know, his his style of play is just kind of I, I do think he could be a, a a good sixth man off the bench, kind of like a Montrez Harrell type, um, and go and get you some buckets against second units be hopefully a good pick and roll partner with like a Lou Williams type of guy. There are none of those ball handler initiators on the Knicks team. So like the closest the Knicks have is Alfred Payton. Um, and like the Alfred Payton and Julius Randall are, are like a duo who kind of played two on five some of last season. Like they really just passed to each other in a lot of circumstances. And I, you know, I expect to see a lot of that again this year and, it's a little disheartening, but at the same time, like you said, Julius Randle is the best player. If Randle were to be traded for Nick Batum, this team would have been just so lacking in anybody who's just like remotely NBA caliber. You know, a lot due to youth, but also due to just having some bad players. Um, I don't know. I, I guess my biggest question about Randle coming back is how does Obi Toppin fit in around him, right? Because... I don't see any world in which Randall's coming off the bench for this Knicks team. Um, <laughs> and so it's just, he can really only play power forward. You don't see him moving up to center all that much, especially when I think the backup center minutes will likely be going to Obi Toppin. So I I just wonder how that fit would be. Can he play with Obi Toppin? And if not, just how many minutes can we squeeze him in, squeeze Toppin in so he can get some good experience his rookie year? It'll just be it'll be really frustrating. I've accepted he's gonna be here, and if he's not here, I'll be happy about it if it happens. But um just because of like the minutes log jam with guys who play 
like the four and five positions because you want to see Toppin and Mitch and, and to a lesser extent Nerlens Noel. Uh, but but Toppin and Mitch, you want to see them get as many minutes and optimally as many minutes together as possible. And if we're sitting here all year watching Randall not only start over Toppin, but like subs- cut into substantial minutes for him when he is like the most NBA ready first round pick we've made in the last few years, he's going to be stuck behind Julius Randall, who almost certainly isn't going to be on the team next year. It'll be frustrating to watch, but hopefully. His minutes come down a little bit from where he was last year. He played 32 and a half minutes per game, so get it closer to like 30. Open up a few minutes, let OB play backup minutes at the four and five, mix in the three-man thing with those two guys. Basically, if I mean, it gets in the way of OB playing, I'm going to be furious. But Yeah. So as be fun to watch, and Randall isn't. We know Randall isn't fun to watch. Hmm. <laughs> As of right now, those are our only. We have those four big men and Omari Spellman. So, I, I, as much of a logjam as there is, I think you, there's minutes to be found there. And and Greg, uh, I think that a lot of last year we were kind of bemoaning Kevin Knox's play for good reason. He was really disappointing, but we also saw statistically he was much more. He had a lot more success at the four. You know, he has a hard time chasing around wings as a defender. And, like, he can kind of play that stretch four role. He's not a great rebounder. You kind of have to pair him with a very good rebounder at center and a very good rim protector like like Mitch at center. But I li- I still want to see... It's hard to give up on Kevin Knox this early. He's Is he 19? Is he 20? I don't know how old he is, but he's very young. And still is one of those players who will be on the Knicks in the coming years and has some upside um, if what we saw his rookie years to be believed. So um, I, I think as far as Mitch goes, I'll, I, you know, I'll believe that he can play 30 minutes per game when I see it. I'm still expecting foul trouble. I'm still expecting some development on that end. So I expect you know Mitch probably will be playing about 25 minutes per game, which opens up a lot of backup center minutes. Obi Toppin is a a very he's a he's a tough <laughs> he'd be a tough watch on the defensive end playing center trying to get out on pick and rolls trying to slide his feet trying to protect the rim um, it, it would not be pretty particularly if he's going to play center while Randall or Knox is going to be at the four right and who else would be there work. you know it's like it's like maybe MKG getting some four minutes <laughs> like it, it's just. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of great options there at the power forward when Obi Toppin's at center. But again, I, I expect Mitch to play only about 25, 26, 27 minutes per game. And those backup five minutes, you're going to want to see Toppin out there. Um, you know, maybe just Toppin and Randall, and you just say whoever's the five, you know, it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I don't expect to see a ton of Nerlens Noel. So uh, that, that's one thing I'll be looking out for is just who's getting those backup five minutes and, and how that looks. Yeah, it'll be certainly be interesting. But I do you think Noel's a bit more of a factor than we're discussing? Just because, like, he had an, he had a nice year last year. I'm not sure exactly, not sure how many minutes he played, but he does do like good stuff. He's still on the young end. He gives you some some defense because uh, he played. He played less than 20 minutes a game last year, but but that's more than a non-factor, you know. Uh, and yeah. he does. He has like a similar skill set to Mitch, so you can still match whatever minutes 
you were going to do if Mitch wouldn't get into foul trouble by throwing Noel out there. Yeah, look, so, I, I think I, I, like, I, think, I like the fit on the roster for sure. I think he's going to get more minutes than we're giving him credit for, but maybe not as many as I was thinking when I started doing this. No, I think that Noel hmm. is a better fit at backup center. You know, I think he'd be a very good backup to, to Mitch. It's just if that's the case, then you're really squeezing those minutes for Toppin. Like, where where do those even? That's fit? what I'm scared of. Yeah, because because Randall will get 30 per game. That's going to happen. And then if you're looking at backup four minutes for Toppin, that that leaves 18 minutes, and then and then it gets very dicey at the center position. So, it, you know, maybe you wonder about like because there could be a lot of the condensed schedule might lead to a fair amount of like players sitting and, and all that. So, so maybe you'll get like top and starting some games and then getting very limited minutes, other games, but I don't know. As far, I, I want to see top and consistently play. And I'm a little concerned if, if Nerland's Noel is getting those minutes, which like you said, he probably does deserve, but it just, it, it creates all sorts of issues developmentally with players who are going to be on this next roster going forward. Yeah. I'm, I'm the Knicks just seem to have too many players who deserve minutes, but nobody who's good. It's a, it's an odd, <laughs> nobody very, deserves all of the minutes. It's a very odd problem to have. We, we, and we countered this problem last year as well. We had Portis and Taj Gibson, Randall, Marcus Morris. And there was wondering yeah. who, in that who regard, it's pretty similar to last year. This year, I think the group that they got will, Maybe not translate to more wins, but it'll be more watchable. It'll but be more watchable because there's a goal. There seems to be a future goal. We'll be looking for development of our players, whereas last year was just a bunch there of There wasn't guys. enough young players to watch the development of. Really. Yeah, and it was just guys on one-year contracts who are all gone now, except for Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton, who was waived and brought back. I don't know. It's guys who are on one-year deals that like were slight overpays, so teams weren't like clamoring for them. Even though, like we said, we said a few times throughout the year that like a lot of them were guys that could get some minutes on good teams, but the price points they were at. So this year, the guys they got are on one-year deals again, but they, in my opinion, seem to be on more reasonable salary numbers and. Yeah, that's they that's definitely true. Being on uh, being role players on good teams in like recent years, so yeah, that's definitely true. And these guys, well, like you said, their salaries seem more capable of being traded for second round picks at the deadline for for all these guys. Even even Peyton, who you know just took a two million dollar pay cut, that's just clearly more tradable, objectively. So yeah, or a three million dollar pay cut. Not to not to get into more details of, of contracts and stuff, but I believe since he signed back-to-back one-year deals with us, he technically has a no-trade clause, so maybe he's less tradable if he wants to stay here for some reason. He doesn't. But also, I think the Knicks probably, <laughs> probably in theory, they want him around because he's like an adult playing point guard, and they have all the young kids who would benefit from there. I was doing this discussion with like my dad and my brother this afternoon because – they were like complaining about the Peyton thing. And I was like, well, I'd love to give like young guys that like might be here a while a shot, but it's kind of like, I don't know, what young guy is there to like start at point guard? Yeah, like, we need somebody who can actually play basketball, and that's like, like what Tom was mentioning with Julius Randle. Like, if he wasn't 
we traded him, there would this wouldn't be a basketball team. It's just not like starting level players, and it's like, like Frank. There's very few people who like Frank more than I do. You can't give him starting point guard position right now, but out of training camp, maybe not ever. And like DSJ, maybe you know he's shown some good stuff in his career, but in the last year, it's been, you know, playing bad basketball and having injuries and having like unfortunate like family emergencies pop up and ho- hopefully all, all those are resolved and he can start like building his career back up again, but you can't go into the season playing to have him as the starter. So I don't, so people complaining about the Peyton signing. It's like maybe there's a vet you'd like to watch more, but they needed a vet and whatever. Peyton knows the organization, knows some of the players had to happen. And I think that the pushback you'd get is on the Frank side where, you know, you're right, Dennis Smith Jr., based on his play last year, wouldn't really deserve that. I and mean, he'd have to show a lot in order to earn that spot back. But Frank, I, I think the argument for him is that is his fit with R.J. Barrett in the front court. So yeah. he, he can kind of, like, R, you would expect R.J. to be the lead ball handler. And then maybe you're saying he R.J. is not ready for that. Like, he, he can't be the, the primary initiator of an offense. Maybe that's right. I don't know what that development's going to look like. Like he did some of that his rookie year. Um, I think if you're maximizing RJ to his fullest, like he would be, he would have the ball in his hands a good amount, right? Um, you know, like you take a look at a guy like James Harden, who's always categorized as a shooting guard, but he literally has the ball in his hands the entire game. Um, you know, that kind of model is probably what RJ's trajectory is is ideally going to be like that that sort of um maybe not that crazy usage like James Harden is the extreme but more trending in that direction you get RJ ball the the ball in his hands and um and he's like a, a very good passer he's big and get into the paint and like his lack of shooting doesn't hurt you quite as much when he's like stationed on the wing and and his defenders just sacking off him in the paint and clogging up the middle so um the argument would be you have Frank kind of defending the better of the two perimeter players, RJ can kind of relax a little bit on the worse uh, perimeter player on defense, and then he'll run the offense, and Frank will be um, probably sitting in the in the corner somewhere. And we would be praying that his three-point shooting has improved. Like, I think last year, I don't have the numbers in front of me, I think he was like a 33% corner shooter from three, which is just barely passable and certainly below average. And the looks he gets are probably usually open because he's Frank and like defenders don't really respect him that much. But the hope continues to be that he uh, improves his shooting, especially in the corners. And he's going to be like playable on that end. And he doesn't need to initiate the offense. He can be more of a secondary playmaker. Um, And I think that's the argument for Frank, not saying I necessarily believe in that entirely. Yeah. And and I'd want to see him get, minutes and and have the opportunity to play alongside RJ like that but um they just I, I they needed to not have that be the only option for starting at the beginning of the year and I, I hope if Frank plays well enough make that make that switch but uh but yeah I under, believe me I would like to see that more than I'd like to see Alfred Payton just like 
do pick and rolls with Julius Randle. But well, well, then you're like, who's the better <laughs> shooter between Alfred Payton, Frank Nilakina? <laughs> and it's just it gets really ugly really fast because you're like, <laughs> well, it's actually Frank. Like fr- Frank's the better floor yeah. spacer, and it's just like, good God, what are we doing here? This is be this is be a tough season, guys. That's we gotta rough. buckle it up. Yeah. Like we gotta really be ready for these podcasts because they're gonna come and we're gonna be like. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> We'll yeah. have to get through our first like ten games after the eight month layoff or whatever it is yeah. since we last watched a basketball game that the Knicks participated in. I've already I've Gotta already started quick. I've already started drafting my letter of resignation. Lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um no, but to what you were saying, Tom, with Frank just being the, the second starter next to the ball handler, Thibodeau, as we've mentioned in the past on this podcast, in my head. It probably isn't true. Just from from what I've viewed, he he kind of invented that the second token defender guard starter. It's a terribly terribly worded way for me to put it, but that the Keith Bogans, Ronnie Brewer type of guy who just is there for defense, and you have your primary ball handler to to do whatever else. And then you got guys like you know Tony Allen or Tabo Cephalosha, that type of guy for Frank. And Thibodeau has, yeah. has been known to, to have that type of player. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, 18 games into the season, we might be screaming for Emmanuel quickly to be getting point guard minutes. That's where I think we are. I mean, he's he's going to be like the best shooter on the team stepping into training camp. It's uh, I, Honestly, the, the lack of shooting is going to be a, a huge issue, I think, for this squad. Like, I know... Uh, Alec Burks is going to be getting regular minutes. I I, I have no idea what the rotation is going to look like, but just going through each guy, like who can shoot Reggie Bullock, I guess. If, if I don't know what kind of minutes he'll be getting. Like, do you expect more than 15 minutes per game? Probably not, right? Um, no. He didn't shoot a particular – I mean, I don't know. Like, Obi Toppin <clears throat> is, is in some cases going to be like the best or second best shooter in some of these lineups he's in, and that's not what you want. So – it's it's a struggle because I know a lot of Knicks fans are actually happy with what the Knicks did this offseason in that they didn't go like do something crazy and, and you know sign a terrible contract and tie up future cap space and all this, but you gotta find some guys to put around your your young guys to help them develop, to help them put to put them into positions to be successful. And I don't I am dubious that this current roster as constructed is going to help develop the, these young players. Yeah, and there's a couple more things to that. We, we Obviously, this is just, just pure hope. You hope that the, the young guys get better at shooting. Knox last year was supposed to be like, he pretty much just turned into a, a, a shooter. Maybe he he didn't do it well, but that was his role, just to be a shooter off the bench. Frank has shown he's got a, a nice little stroke when he when he makes it. It looks it looks good. He's got a consistent stroke. He should be able to knock it down more consistently. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. had his issues last year with pretty much everything basketball related. So we're just hoping for for a you know a, a, a regression back to the mean or progression back to the mean. Um, and then lastly, we brought in Alex Bur- Alec Burks, who is our other shooter in addition to Reggie Bullock. So hopefully you. you it's all just you have to hope if you're a Knicks fan. That's, that's not much else you can do. We didn't bring any sharpshooters in. 
we're just going to hope that our young guys get better and Alec Burks is, is sufficient. I don't know. I don't know. I forget if you guys talked about this last week, but the Knicks were, like, according to Vegas, projected to be the worst or tied for the worst team in the league this upcoming season. Do, do you guys buy that? Did you think that the they were that Vegas was low on the Knicks, or do you think that was kind of a fair assessment? So I had uh, my my quick reaction was there's 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 a couple teams that are around the Knicks. I, my first thought was the Pistons. But Blake Griffin was out for most of last year. I I completely forgot he was on the Pistons. So Pistons are definitely better than us. That's that's for sure. Uh, the Bulls are, I don't know, Zach Levine's their best player. If they get the progress from Wendell Carter and, and, and others and Kobe White, maybe they'll be better than us. But I, I wouldn't say like, they're a given. They kind of have enough young players that have shown stuff that, like, I think their fans are rooting for wins. Like Laurie Markkinen is kind of okay, right? Or is he not? Yeah. Is he not good at all? I think he's been okay, but I haven't uh, watched a whole lot. No, he's been. I mean, I, I'll, I mean, I base a lot off of when they played the Knicks, but he he lit up the Knicks. But that could anybody could do that. So there's really no way to know how good he is unless we look at his his stats. But I think he's he's good. Yeah, so I'm looking at he was 22 last year. He put up f- almost 15 points, six boards. Um, he shot 34.4% on six three point attempts per game. Got to the free throw line a few times per game. Shot well there. Yeah, he seems fine. I don't know. He he's just like for a seven footer only grabbing, you know, six rebounds in about 30 minutes per game. That's kind of not what you want. But you know, Wendell Carter Jr. was there the year um, before. He did. He had nine. So, oh yeah, I'm assuming Wendell Carter being there is a big part of uh, why those dropped. Yeah, and then and that's the like Bull- Por- who the Bulls Porzingis. Porzingis back when he was on the Knicks, he didn't board enough, even though he was tall enough to board. So when when you get pushed out to to be in the four, even if you're seven feet tall, you get less rebounds. I guess that makes sense to me. So I'll accept that as true. And then the, sure the other team, the other team is the Cavs, who are bad, but they have Kevin Love, who in theory should be good, but he he's been inconsistent. Since, and Andre Drummond, to say the least. And Andre Drummond, who is fine. I don't know. He put, he grabs a lot of rebounds and can dunk the ball, but he hasn't put it together the way scouts had hoped and us people from Connecticut had hoped since he was a, a UConn grad, but. Or not a grad, but a UConn attendee. He went there for one year. And he's from Connecticut, actually, so we rooted for him extra hard. Both of them have made a couple all-star games. Again, uh, Drummond's, Drummond's not as old as I picture him in my head, which is unfortunate for Andre Drummond. Um, yep. Yeah. One, other th- one other thing to consider is that the Knicks' division is in- insanity. They're, they've got the Celtics, Nets, 76ers, Raptors. That's maybe four of the top five teams in the East, possibly. And so, On paper. Yeah. We're going to have to be pulling upsets if we want to just win games in our division. We're going to have to be pulling upsets to win games in general. That's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you could argue like any game the Knicks win would be an upset, right? Like every every game, every win? 
Yeah, I would. I don't even think you have to argue. You just say it, and it's true. <laughs> so yeah, just uh, about. The only team I think is actually worse than us is the Thunder, uh, just because they traded their entire team. I know they still have Gilgis Alexander, but that's that's not enough to be to be to, to lead a basketball team to wins in the West. Yeah, they traded all their good vets and outside of them you can like see a way for pretty much every other team in the west to be a playoff team you can see the path there some are certainly more likely than others um so they're just going to be playing a lot of good teams so even if i think that i think overall they are probably worse than the Knicks, but they're just going to catch a lot of l's because just all these teams that are trying to make the playoffs and are better than them so and they want and organizationally they want to lose anyway so basically not surprised by with the knicks over under number and stuff um agreed and people saying so they the worst i'll just mention they have sga horford george hill and ariza which is a good basketball team 10 years ago (laughs) yeah i don't know if horford was as bad as he was in Philly this past year. Like he was, because he was so good in Boston, and that's why he earned that huge contract. It was an overpay to begin with, but like he, he, there was still some hope there, right? He was, he's still a, a very good defender. He could step out and shoot a little bit, a very good passer. And then he just kind of, I think he was just utilized very poorly in Philadelphia. Um, it just wasn't a good fit. Not a good fit at all. So I wonder if he will continue on that downward trajectory or if maybe this will be a better a better fit for him in Oklahoma City. I don't know. But those names you said, Greg, are, are probably you know better than what the Knicks are trotting out. But, I mean, yeah. either, either way, not, not much marginally better if so. Yeah, I guess they just have more names than us. SGA, Horford, George Hill, which is unfortunate because that's not a – a, a trio that induces <laughs> fear in the opponents. Not this year. We have uh, Julius Randle, and we don't know who else is starting. Four other people. <laughs> so, unfortunate. I don't know if we have much else to talk about here. I don't know if we had yeah. much to talk about to begin with, to be honest. But we did it. Do you guys have any... Coming weeks, well, because don't they report to training camp this week? So, might start having better yeah. ideas for starters and lineups that looks like they'll plan to use so yeah and the season is coming up in december very quick turnaround and december is in two days from now probably one day from when you're listening if you're listening on the day this is released unless it's released tonight i don't know a lot of factors tom do you have any last thoughts that we missed i don't i can't imagine we missed anything because nothing has happened no, I think we really scraped the bottom of the barrel, and I mean that in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, um, well. The only one I've got, I don't know, Austin Rivers exists. He can kind of shoot, does good mm. basketball stuff. I don't know. He might – I don't know if he's our best player or just our least worst player, but I don't know. He's a, he's a guy we barely talked about him. Probably going to get rotation minutes. Yeah, he'll be he'll be in the rotation definitely. I think. Um, 
contract he, he, still just makes no sense. Uh, having sat on it for another week, I still have no idea how to, we have him on this contract because we're not really offering him. We're not offering him money. We're not offering him years of job security. We're not giving him even like a rotation spot. Like well, that's the tricky one. part, right? So, like, you wonder should he be getting minutes to try and showcase him? Like, this guy can help your playoff bound team. He can, like, he's not afraid of the moment. He'll hit big shots. He can kind of play make a little bit. He shoots a little bit. Um, like, should we try and, like, market him as a as an asset for playoff teams? The, the flip side to that coin is, like, as a Knicks fan, wouldn't you rather just see Emmanuel quickly play every single minute that Austin Rivers <laughs> might get? I, I think I would, you know, just, yeah. to, just to watch him play. Uh, the- probably. If even if they can't trade him for anything, they could just cut him since he makes so little money, and it wouldn't wouldn't really matter. Yeah, with with Rivers specifically, yeah, he makes so little money that if we want to just cut him, we can. Or, and also since he, we can just keep him the next couple of years anyway, I guess there's no reason to force him into taking minutes because we can just play him a bigger minutes load next year, and then flip him at that deadline. Yeah. So there's options with him. It just feels like he's been playing good minutes on good teams for the last couple years in Houston, and uh, he's going to come here and not play and not make a lot of money. Well, he's making the whole more thing's mo- weird. The whole thing's he, weird. He's making a, over a million dollars more than what he was making with the Rockets. So Yeah, he's making I, I like mentioned- a million more than the minimum for the next three years if he's here. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned it on the last pod, but I'll say it again because I like the phrase. I, th- I feel like he got p- that contract because guys like him are kind of a dime a dozen. So you just got a, a, a scoring guard who can be okay. Did you coin that phrase? Um, patent pending. <laughs> Not how patents work. Another legal. I think that's the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, there it is. So now I got us there. We did it. We made it over 50 minutes somehow with only one non-guaranteed contract signed by Michael Kidd Gilchrist to talk about. So. Only one bit of news that directly <laughs> impacted the Knicks. We are the we real did. MVP. <laughs> somehow, you guys are the real MVP for listening, if you did. Uh, we appreciate it. You can leave us a five-star review if, if you thought it earned five stars. We'll appreciate that. I got a funny story about that. So my friend Andrew started a bracelet company, and he was, like, asking all of his friends to, like, leave a five-star review. So everybody was like, okay, sure, and they did. My friend Dean just left a four-star review just for, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> he just said it was it was unrealistic that everybody gave five stars, so he gave it four stars. I think so don't, give, we'll take to, the four stars too. Okay. I guess just to give it some credibility, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I like that. Dean's always thinking ahead. It's good stuff. Very funny. So we'll take the five star reviews. Um, and if you, I'm not going to say leave a four star review to be funny, because don't do that. Just leave a five star review if you want, if you feel so inclined. But thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Go Knicks. Stay.